Welcome back to the PK Podcast, where that PK stands for Preacher's Kid, not Perfect Kid. And this episode is brought to you by our friends over at Cintas. I mean, do you have that musty church smell that much like that musty church member just won't go away? Cintas makes those little automatic smell good sprayer machines that are made for any bathroom, classroom, or auditorium. And these battery-operated wonders can cover a multitude of sinners. So if your church smells like sin, call Cintas today. You know, after a long sabbatical, which Eli and I both needed, we're bringing you a couple of fall episodes, now streaming in the winter time, but we're kicking it off with one of the most impactful episodes we've ever recorded. Glory Patrick is with us, and she's sharing the truth about her dad and her story for the first time exclusively with us. We're honored to know her, and we stand in support of her and every PK who's been through pain at the hand of church people. So listen in as we chat with PK Glory Patrick. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the PK Podcast, where that PK stands for Preacher's Kid, Not Perfect Kid. And it's a good thing because I'm sitting here with my imperfect co-host, Eli Blevins. I never never want to miss an opportunity to point out how not perfect Eli is, especially as he's coming to us live from the most perfect city ever, Wilmington, North Carolina. <laughs> Basically, he's living like John B. in the Outer Banks. So I'm not bitter, but before I start to get there, I just want to turn it over to him. How you doing, Eli? What's happening? I'm doing great. It's raining like crazy today, so it's not as perfect today as you Good. would think. So. I'm glad to hear it. <laughs> No, but thank you. This is going to be great. We're super excited for today. Um, yeah, it's going to be good. Happy fall. Yeah, happy fall. We're, we, we've taken a short little two-week fall break because we're getting ready to dive into kind of a fall season of the podcast. We've got three or four episodes with some of the foremost experts on the subject of fall, and uh, they're going to be sharing with us, and it's going to be fantastic um, we'll forego any mocking of fall or scarves or anything like that until later, since our guest today is not wearing any of the stereotypical things, and we appreciate that. <laughs> um, but we do have someone awesome with us. Her name is Glory Patrick, and she is from, as far as I know, St. Louis, Missouri, and her dad pastored a, a, uh, an incredible church there. Um, he was an incredible leader um, and a man of God, and we have all been blessed by his legacy and his ministry in one way or another, and we're going to hear a little bit about his story today slightly, but more we're going to hear from his daughter and her story, and it's a powerful one. It's an incredible one, and uh, we're so excited that she's here. So, uh, Eli, how do we begin every episode? Hey, we love hearing uh, stories and just personal stories. And so uh, we just want to ask you, kind of tell us a little about who you are, um, a little about, about what you do. Um, and yeah, just kind of give us who Glory is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so my name is Glory, as already introduced. Um, I'm a senior at Liberty. Um, so a younger PK, you could say, uh, transitioning out of that college into adults PK. What does that look like? Um, but yeah, my story is, I would say a unique one on multiple levels, but also not unique at all in a lot of ways. Um, I think there's a lot of commonalities in PK stories. Um, so just going back to the very beginning, um, when I was two, my parents felt the calling of the Lord to plant a church in St. Louis, um, a city they were not from a city they were not familiar with. They just felt like they were supposed to do it um, kind of in the early 2000s before church planning was like sexy, like it is now, like they were called to do it in that time. Um, so we moved to St. Louis when I was two and they planted the journey in our basement with a group of people. Um, so I quite literally grew up with the church, um, you know, first member of children's ministry, third member of the church, arguably just kind of grew up all in it. Um, so over the next 10 ish, 10 to 15 years, I would say, as I was growing up, the journey exploded in growth. Um, 
by about year 10, we were multi-site, six campuses across the city, several thousand people attending. Um, my dad began writing books and speaking and working for a church planning network. So the growth was just enormous. Um, people are getting saved every week. They can't keep up with the staffing demands of such a large church. Um, we were right in the urban core of the city. So also very diverse church. And so just from my personal experience, I remember even from a young age, just this awareness of like, people are watching me all the time um, and they have expectations of me. And because of the diversity of the church, they have diverse expectations, right? So like the older conservative crowd kind of expects one thing from me. And then like the young hip 20 something college Christians expect something different. Um, so that's a lot of my childhood, just, just that feeling of like, I'm being watched. Um, I remember being eight or nine and we pulled up to church on a Sunday. And I remember consciously thinking we crossed onto the campus and I thought everything I do from this moment forward is being watched until we cross back over this point, like everything, like as soon as I'm out of the car, eyes are on me. Um, so that is obviously a super interesting way to grow up kind of that publicity. And then just because of the size of the church, kind of the experience of like, a lot of people do know who I am, but then some people don't know who I am. Um, and some people know me and some people don't know me at all. Even they know my name and follow me on social media and all these things. So those were kind of the early years, um, obviously moved into youth group in middle school as every good PK does. <laughs> and, um, right. And that, is kind of when the expectations became a little bit more obvious. Like I sensed them from a very early age, but they weren't really verbalized until youth group. Um, and then it kind of became, you know, the classic, like nobody else knows the answer. Like, all right, Glory, go ahead. You know the answer. Um, one memory that really sticks out is an eighth grade youth retreat, fall retreat, actually, how appropriate that we're talking about it on this fall episode. Um, so fall retreat, you already know the vibes, like the leaders are stressed. It's a long weekend. It's all the campuses together, which is really unique, just given the population of the city. So going into the retreat, my parents had kind of told me, you know, this is a really good opportunity for you to like get close with your small group, like eighth grade girls, like not in a way of them putting pressure on me, but just practically speaking, this is when relationships are really formed. So I was like excited going into the weekend. I was becoming more serious about my faith. Um, and so they had us all rooming together and something went wrong with the rooming and there was another campus. They didn't have enough girls in the room. Something was off. So one of the like higher up youth leaders came to the room and pulled out me and another girl whose parents were both deacons and basically said, we need you guys to move to the other room. And I pushed back and said, first of all, why? Because there's plenty of room in here. Second, I'm just confused because I thought this weekend was about me bonding with my girls and like building relationship. And like, I mean, we all know like those late nights in the room, like giggling and keeping your leaders up. That's when community happens. And so I was like, I just like, I'm happy to help, but I'm confused because I don't know these other girls. This doesn't make sense. And the leader basically blew up and was like, I don't understand why you can't be more welcoming. This is not a big deal. Like, this is just an expectation, all this stuff. So that was a really like pivotal mm -hmm. moment of me being like, oh, okay. <laughs> so that's what you expect from me. Got it. Like now I understand. Um, and so that story is, it sticks out. And I think it's representative of those years in youth group, just the expectations are unspoken until they're not. And then you're like, oh, okay that you've never said that to me that you expected me to be perfectly welcoming, but now I understand it is an expectation. So those were kind of those years. And then coming into 2016, um, my dad had just been really running at a crazy pace when I look back at it, those years in ministry and quite simply he imploded. Um, there's a lot of sin in his life that came to a head and conversations that needed to be had. And ultimately the church fired him. And it was horrific and unexpected and a horribly challenging season for my family. Just very confusing and trying to like wrap my head around that. And if we're all being honest, like being a PK is, you know, not part of your identity, but an identifier in a oh, sense. Yeah. So even on a personal level, like 
well, he's not a pastor. So what am I, what is my role realizing we're not going to attend the church anymore. And then starting to walk through a restoration process with the church. So the church hired an outside organization to take care of the process and they did a horrific job uh, to put it quite plainly. And so the elders put a letter out to the church with a lot of promises about care for my dad, care for my mom, care for me and my siblings. They signed it, sent it to the church, read it at church. And none of those things were ever followed up on. Um, to this day, I've never received any communication, apology, contact, anything from any leadership of the church, not a single elder, not anybody, um, which is, you know, hard to grapple with when it was in words. And, you know, a lot of these elders are men that I knew growing up. And so that was just a confusing season. But at the same time in that season, there were several leaders in the youth group who really stepped into my life. Both of them actually PKs themselves, which I think is super significant. Um, so, that, I mean, that's even an encouragement to older PKs, like, please, I, myself included, let's be discipling younger PKs because we just get it in a way that other people don't get it. Um, so yeah, that was that season in 2016. I mean, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It was horrible, super hard, but also a season of me really surrendering my life to Christ, which is always interesting when you're not involved in the church and you fully trust Christ and you're like, okay, now what? But, um, it was kind of that breaking point of like, I'm either all in with you, Jesus, or I'm walking away entirely from all of this. Like it was that do or die moment. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, getting to see the gospel become just very tangible in my dad's life. Um, I think there's something really sweet about that. As difficult as the season was seeing a repentant spirit in him, genuinely a willingness to do the work with this process, even at times when it was simply harmful to him, um, that kind of tangible expression of the gospel was something really beautiful. And so Eventually, the restoration process was kind of passed off to better leadership. Uh, we became involved with Seacoast Church in Charleston, South Carolina, and they were just a huge part of the redemption of all of that. They became a church home when nowhere else felt safe for me. Um, and so that was just, yeah, a beautiful process of restoration that hard for me to learn, like, how do I trust the church after this? Like, really, how do I trust it when I struggle to trust leaders? Uh, and struggle to trust that what's being said on stage is accurate to what's happening behind the scenes. So that is still a work in progress, if I'm being honest with you. Um, even just this year is the first time that I've really, I've been attending a church locally for a while, but finally starting to get involved and get in a small group. And like, those steps feel scary, but they're necessary. And so, yeah, that's was kind of that season of just how do I trust the church? What does redemption look like? What does healthy restoration look like? So that was that season kind of up into my late high school years, early college years. And then last year, May of 2020, um, this is kind of another layer to the whole story. My dad took his own life unexpectedly. Um, it was completely shocking, unexpected to any of us in the family. There were no real warning signs. Um, none of those typical things that you see when it comes to something like that, they just weren't there. And so that was shocking to deal with. And very quickly, it just became public because of who he was. And so you have grief and then you have the publicity of grief when you're the daughter of somebody in ministry. And so I remember like looking at my phone and watching the Instagram follow requests just roll in like in live time. Like I watched it like surpass like a hundred. And I remember thinking, this is insane. Like he's gone and I still can't get a break. Like mm -hmm. the publicity doesn't, doesn't leave me. Like, is this how this is going to be? And yeah. so that was just super hard to deal with. Like the news stories that come out and the, um, the Instagram follow request, the number of texts, the number of people coming to the house, like just very overwhelming also in the midst of COVID. So I haven't seen anybody in months. And then all of a sudden it was everybody. Um, so I had to really learn how to fight for privacy for myself and to accept privacy as something that was okay. Uh, and just recognize like, this is me setting a healthy boundary for me. I don't have a responsibility to these people. 
um, to do whatever they want me to do necessarily. Um, so, I mean, what a horrific season again of just grief and loss and doing it all publicly fighting for myself, but also at the same time seeing, um, you know, just the promises of scripture be really true. The Lord is so close to the brokenhearted, like intimacy with the Lord, like I've never experienced before. Um, so there's a sweetness in that too, but yes, that has just been for me, like the past year and a half ish is this kind of PK journey through grief and the publicity of all of that through grief. So that's kind of like a little wrap up of lots of different elements of my story. Wow, thank you for sharing. Just yeah. so moving, so powerful. And so thank you for opening up and being uh, vulnerable about all of that too. So thank you. Yeah, of course. Hey, PK friend that is listening, I'm sure that there were multiple layers of this that really spoke to you. And so you have questions and we're going to do our best to ask the ones that you're thinking right now as you're listening. And one of the first ones that comes to my mind is, uh, Glory, you talk about repentance in your, your dad. Repentance rarely gets advertised. Um, and everybody has their own definition of what they think that it ought to look like and ought to be. But you're his daughter and you lived with him and saw it. Can you just tell us a little bit about the change that you really did see in your dad that the people who hated him didn't want to talk about or recognize? Right. Yeah. I mean, there's so many layers to it. Um, but I think, I think we all know what it looks like when somebody is grieved over their sin and sees the impact of it and apologizes for it. Um, I think that, that awareness of sin, even in small ways was kind of what I saw just in our house of moments of him being like, I got angry in that small moment and I am deeply grieved over it because it's indicative of a bigger issue. Um, so like on a personal level, those moments mean more to me than, you know, bigger things that were happening with the church. It was those moments of like, Hey, like, I'm really sorry. I snapped at you about that. That's not acceptable and I'm sorry. And I'm, the Lord is doing a work in me. Um, I have a letter that he wrote me kind of during that time period. And there's a line in it where he said, I'm starting to experience on a deep level, what I've been preaching about for years. Wow. So I think that, yeah, I think that kind of sums it up just like a real, a real grief over sin and changes that don't happen overnight. I mean, we can all testify to our own experience with sin in our lives. It's, you really have to fight and war against it. But over mm -hmm. time, I think, yeah, a repentant spirit and real grief over sin. We actually had invited you on the podcast uh, several months ago, maybe almost a year ago. And um, you put a pause on that because you were walking through what was supposed to be a restoration process uh, personally between you and the church. And I know there had supposed to have been a restoration process between your dad and the church. And I'd love to talk a little bit about what restoration really is and what it really should look like. But like you said at the beginning of our conversation, your story has a lot of uniqueness and then a lot of things that are very not unique. And the quote unquote, for those that are listening, those watching the ma most massive air quotes I can give, the quote unquote restoration process of the church is not biblical. And you experienced that process. Can you tell us about what the restoration process was um, and what that actually looked like in your life and in your dad's, um, as opposed to what the public thought it was. Yeah, absolutely. So I think, you know, if I had to look at what the public thought and what some people may still think to this day happened, I think people thought there was going to be care for me and my siblings. Uh, when I say care, I mean like counseling, like checking up, like different things. And the reality for me and my siblings 
as I said earlier, is there has never been anything. And at different points, even last year, like you were kind of referring to, there have been even later promises made of, we want to do this, we want to apologize, and it, it does not happen. And I think in some ways that's more hurtful when somebody continually says, no, we do want to do this, and then they continue to not do it. Um, so that's kind of like my side of it. Uh, as a family in those early days, there were several things that we were involved in as a family as a part of the restoration plan. One that comes to mind is some of the people from the organization came over to our house to have lunch with us with, I guess, the agenda of just like watching us eat lunch, like watching a family dynamic. And I was told this is just lunch. Like they're not going to ask you anything about anything. Like we're just, this is part of the process, whatever. So we get there and I end up sitting next to this woman who pretty much immediately into lunch starts diving in with me about things in a way that was not appropriate. And I got very emotional and it just kind of became a whole thing. And so it, it just simply was not done well. And we could get into the nitty gritty of a restoration process. But the biggest thing for me is that I think if as believers, if we say we're going to do something. And if we say publicly, we're going to do something, there has to be follow through or else mm -hmm. that's dishonest. Um, and it's dishonest to thousands of people, you yeah, know? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I want yeah. to say that's, that's something on you and your dad's behalf that you might not say, but I'm happy to do it uh, because I have a little bit of insight into your story um, is the the verse on restoration we ought most readily to go to is if a brother be overtaken in a fault you which mm -hmm. are spiritual the reason why restoration doesn't happen is because there's not very many spiritual people in the church but you which are spiritual restore such a one with a spirit of meekness mm -hmm. and restoration does not equal you sit here and shut up while we beat you in the face with a baseball bat, drudging up every little thing that ever hurt our feelings or offended us or that we didn't like. And quite a bit of what you went through, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is what I've been gathering as I've been studying into it. Quite a bit of what you went through from the outside organization to the what the church called restoration was you're going to shut up and we're going to tell you how you hurt our feelings and then you can't say anything and you can't explain it and you can't justify it and you can't really apologize for it. There's no changing it. We just want to vent right now. Yeah, no, I absolutely, I absolutely think there was an, an element of that. And so then when we trace that back, I'm like, it's actually kind of expected, I guess, that there would be no care for me and my siblings when we go about it that way without that spirit of meekness, gentleness, like you talked about. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's good. Um, I even want to like have ask on because I know all the Seacoast guys very well. They're some of our church overseers. Um, people like Chip Judd have been really instrumental in my life and even my family art, you know, kind of counseling lives. And so um, I just want to ask you what they did that kind of has been different than what some of the others have have done. You said you found kind of a safe place there for you to go. And I just kind of elaborate, what makes something a safe place versus maybe not? I think we've heard what it isn't, but what for you is it that kind of touched your heart and your soul and spoke to glory, the individual um, through that process? Yeah, I think even just on a like a physical basic level, I remember attending Seacoast and, um, being given privacy, like being mm -hmm. able to slip in through a green room into yep. a service, being given a password to a green room if I needed to leave the service, um, kind of being invited back into that, that element of the church felt deeply healing for me. Um, there was like a sense of belonging there. I think Pastor Greg and Chip, mm -hmm. who I also adore, um, just asked me about me and were relational and didn't need to pivot the conversation to what was going on right off the bat, which is how we should do relationships, right? Like relationship Absolutely. first. Um, so that was huge for me. I think they just loved us well. I really don't know how else to say it, even mm -hmm. from a distance. Yeah. Um, and that's true to this day. I mean, Pastor Greg, shortly after my dad passed, just on a plane immediately, 
caring for us immediately. Um, There was a gentleness about them. There was an honesty about them, um, but also an accountability between them and my dad that was absolutely appropriate. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I think relationship first and even just those little things like being able to feel safe in a service because I knew I could, I could step away if I needed to, um, was huge for me. Yeah. That's so important. That's so, and I can, I co-sign with all that. I've some very similar experiences there too. So I can Mm -hmm. co-sign with what you say on that. And so thank you for, for, uh, sharing with that. Um, I think we sometimes forget, um, and I think we, you know, many of the guests that we have on this show, um, talk about just privacy and how they just feel like they're just in the public eye more than people care to realize where it may be an expectation at a, at a youth camp or retreat where you're supposed to do something for someone else. And really what they're wanting you to do is step up and be a leader. Um, even if you're not, even if you're 14 years old or whatever it is. And, <laughs> and you're like, I, I don't even know how to lead myself. I'm trying to be in my own small group and do yes. this. And um, so for you, is that something that kind of ever weighed heavy with you? Like trying to lead at a young age with all the eyes on you, or is that something that you kind of just took in strides and you were able to knock it out of the park? Um, maybe elaborate on that at all. Yeah. I mean, I'm definitely, uh, I would say a recovering perfectionist and people pleaser. So I, I desired for people to see that I was taking it in stride and like unaffected by everything. Um, but living in the wake of people's expectations is exhausting. Like that's no way to live. And I wish somebody had told me when I was younger, I wish they would have said the only expectations that matter are the ones that come from scripture. Mm. If you are a believer to begin with at all, right? Come like on. lost yeah. people act lost. So we shouldn't be surprised when we have, <laughs> PKs or anybody who's not saved, obviously they're going to act like they're not saved. Like that's, that's what scripture tells us. Right. So I wish somebody had told me God has asked you to be obedient and faithful. I mean, there's so many verses we could go into this, right. Great commission, all these things. Um, but what the Lord has not asked of you is to be perfect or to be, you know, just welcoming enough and just like friendly and you appear godly, but you're still cool. And like, you know, the answers, but like not in the goody two shoes, but like, that's not in the Bible, you know? Um, I think we're called to honor our parents. And I think that looks different for everybody, but yeah, that's, I wish somebody would have told me that the expectations that matter are the ones that come from the Lord and you cannot please everybody. And it's not even about not being able to please everybody. It's not your responsibility to please people's expectations. And I think too, like a lot of times, it's easy for us to have this attitude of like, this is just kind of how it is. Like people are going to have expectations of you and people are broken and sinful. And there absolutely is a reality of that. Like even in myself, I mean, does our eye not go to the front row naturally? Like you just, you have an awareness and unspoken expectations of a pastor, a pastor's wife, his family. But I would say like, we can call the church higher too. Like I would encourage people in the church. I would say, You need to take a serious evaluation of your expectation of your pastor, his wife, and his kids, and check it against scripture Mm. and say, is this fair? Is this realistic for somebody? And adjust your expectations accordingly. I think there's always a level of us being sinful and broken and having expectations. But I mean, that's part of our, our job as the body of Christ is to call each other higher. So that might be a little controversial, but I think the church plays a role in that as well. This is the uh, yeah. final episode of the PK podcast. Glory's just said anything that could be said. <laughs> no. She just went ahead and preached the final sermon that anyone you needed no. to hear. Like, just take this. Th- this was it. Yeah, honestly. And I, I'm even thinking right now, I'm thinking, I remember even sometime, sometime back when I was in high school and someone asked me, they said they saw me raising my hands in worship but the question they asked me was, what kind of watch was I wearing? Because they liked it. And I'm like, you're so focused on my hand being up and worship about what watch I'm wearing, which was a watch I bought in an airport for like $45. And I'm just like, I can't even catch a break even on the front row with my hands up and worship like. And I know that it sounds silly. And I know that it, some of these things, when you say them out loud, you're like, this is like, how silly of it. 
but the, it's just like when you do this every single day of your life, every single Sunday, like you said, when you cross into the campus and when you cross into church, and I, I think we joke at the beginning of our podcast and we're saying PK doesn't stand for a perfect kid. It stands for pastor's kid. Like, yeah, it's kind of a funny little joke, but like at the same time, like it also is not a joke too. And I think there's a lot of people who are listening to this. And, um, and even if you're a parent of a pastor's kid listening to this, like, we've said it once and we're going to keep saying it until, you know, Jesus comes back, but like the striving for perfection, like if that's what it is, we're going to die trying to reach it. If that's the case, because it's just not, it's obviously not biblical. Uh, Our name's not Jesus. And if it was, this podcast would be very different (laughs) if it was, but um, yeah, I just like, come on people. Like I, I would think in in this even segment here, and this may even need to be edited out because who knows, is what I'm going to say here, but like, like, I don't even know sometimes how to like go to our other church members and be like, just shut up. Like, let us, like, let us be like you, how do you even approach that? And I, and I know this is just a huge tangent here, but I'm like, if they knew what was on the other side of the microphone or of the office or on the stage, like, yes, there's some excellent things about it, but like, the stuff you throw at us. I mean, come on, like, give us a break here for a second. Oh, for sure. And it's, and it's very easy for it to also slip under the guise of like, we just really want you to pursue holiness. And Mm -hmm. that's manipulative. First of all, Um, which is witchcraft. Yeah. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of layers to it that I think every PK has to sort out with the, the perfection aspect of it. Absolutely. You talked about that hand raised thing and it, this is, this is kind of like a fire circle. Cause I think we're all just like firing one another up and it could go on indefinitely, but, um, which is so much fun. I know there, I know that our friend is listening and they're like, oh, I want to be sitting in on this call right now, but, uh, it just, it really resonated with me and it, it was kind of funny, but freeing because that person who is expecting the pastor's family to be like professional and perfect all the time are doing that because they look at worship and at church and being the church really as a once a week performance. Um, And that whole like looking around, looking at the watch on your hand, because they're watching like, how does he raise his hand? They're They're also the same jokers that are watching to see which left hands are raised sans a ring, right? It's like, let me just stand in the back and see the worshipers, right? But let let me see which ones are ringless so that I can, you know, share my testimony with them later. Like I wanna let's 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 have a let's have a prayer circle together. You know, my name's Will, God's will. It's those people that I'm like, enough of that. I just I want to be able to look at some of them and go, you're fired. Like you can't come back here. Um, (laughs) If you want to go to that church, there's another one of those up the road. But if you're going to be looking at my watch during worship, like, (laughs) I I guess it's better than them checking. I guess it's better than them checking their own watch and hoping it's over. I guess what I'm saying. I'm like, I don't want you to have one. You're going to be looking at it while dad's preaching. Like just stop in general, just stop. Uh, yes, I do have a, I do have a question, um, for you and it's a, so throughout your process of, of healing and restoration and redemption, and although it's ongoing, um, how important is it to you to be in church and not just to be the pastor's kid in a church, but to go, I'm actually going to choose for myself to be a part of this. There's a lot of pastor's kids and they're in church because they can't drive. They're going to church because they have to, or that's all they really know. But here you are, and you're choosing after all of this to say, I'm still choosing the local church and how important it is in my life. Um, just maybe elaborate kind of why that's important to you as well. Yeah. I mean, I think starting back with scripture, obviously we cannot get away from the commandments and scripture about the church. So that was the first layer of it where mm-hmm. I was like, all right, if I, uh, if I am a Christian, then this is unavoidable in this sense. But for me, there's been a lot of freedom in just, I go to school 12 hours away from home. Um, I didn't know a soul until I came here. And so the ability to choose a church 
was really special, actually. I mean, as a PK, you know, like that's never a choice, right? Like Mm -hmm. this is our church um, or this is the church we're going to work at now. And so I think going along with the perfectionism thing, I had to give myself grace, especially when I first got to Liberty to say, maybe in this season, I need to like hop around a little bit and figure out what I'm looking for in a church and what feels safe. And to give myself grace to not feel like this church is so good. Like, why don't I like it to just be like, that might not be the fit for me. Um, So that was a huge part of the healing process was just being like, I get to do this on my own terms and then kind of finally settling somewhere. And to be honest with you, I had a church that I attended regularly for about two years and did not get involved in any capacity in those two years, maybe a worship night, maybe, you know, an outreach event, but not, not serving and not in any type of smaller community. And that was important to take that small step of like, okay, I am going to like sit through service once a week. And that's like kind of a big deal for me right now that I Mm -hmm. can do that. And I can sit in the back if I want. I can go to the late service. I can only go to one service. I can go with praise God. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, praise God for the 1130, right? Seriously, especially in college. Um, So that was a big step. Um, And then also for me, like parachurch ministry has been helpful because again, it's felt safe. And so um, there are a ton of campus ministries at Liberty that I've been able to be involved with and like start to dip my toe back into that because I do love ministry and I do love to serve and lead. Um, And so then transitioning into this year, senior year at Liberty, it was just time. Like I just had a sense that it was time to get involved and it's been really sweet. Um, but yeah, I mean, for me and for anybody who's in a similar situation, give yourself grace, like to take time to not serve right off the bat, to just take it at the pace you need to take it and recognize that God is gracious with you in that. Um, yeah, that's what I would say. Absolutely. We want to end with something fun. And so I, I hope that this next question isn't redundant, but just take a second and talk to that PK that is processing grief or hurt or whatever it may be. So, mm-hmm. Sometimes just bitterness and their own personal sin. Right. And it, encourage them for a second. Just speak to them about what made, how, how were you successful in this, in this process, in this comeback? The thing that most people don't come back from, God has been faithful to you and there's been a process for you. I mean, what was like the top thing or the top three things that you're like, boom, boom, boom. This is what you need to do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, number one, um, there, there has to be a surrender and there has to be a genuine turning to the Lord. If you don't know the Lord or if you do, there has to be that, that turning. Um, number two, just to get very real, I would tell any PK probably even starting as young as like 14, if you're not in counseling, I would get in counseling. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm saying that kind of bluntly because I think it's really important just to process even things from a young age, um, involved in being a PK. So in my experience with 2016 in the church and grief counseling has been essential and freeing to have somebody who is removed from everything who you can talk to everything about and just lay it on them. Mm -hmm. Um, So I would say that I would say turning to the Lord counseling. And then I would say, just like I said before, like give yourself grace and um, recognize that healing is a process. The steps are small. The steps of obedience are really small sometimes, Um, but the Lord is close to you in this season. And when nobody else knows what's going on, when it feels like everybody else sees you, but doesn't really see you, the Lord sees you and knows you on a deeper, more intimate level than anybody else ever can. And so, yeah, that's what I would say. Turn to the Lord, get in counseling, trust him and give yourself grace. That's so good. And then the fall season certainly helps because this is a fall episode. And for some reason, fall just seems to help people in America. I'm not really sure where... (laughs) that came from or why that is there are things that are just just like there's stereotypical things about the church there's stereotypical things about fall and all the people who love it more than summer which i think are ridiculous i think <laughs> summer is by far the greatest but and that's my yes. like completely objective opinion 
Um, but this is our fall season. So, I mean, top five fall countdown, um, knowing that we do reserve the right to mock or judge any of okay. the things that we don't agree with on your list. But I mean, thousands of people, this is what, this is what church people do, right? Like lots of people have been asking. So, um, we'll say this, um, lots of people have been asking, what is your top five fall countdown glory? And, uh, so we want to know what it is. Oh, for sure. Okay, I'll give you five to start. To start, coffee with pumpkin in it. Notice, I didn't say pumpkin spice latte because I'm not a big PSL girl, mm. but you have to put some fall in your coffee. Okay, a, maybe you a add PSL a pump of pumpkin. Girl. Pumpkin cream cold brew, that's my drink. Everybody listening, if you haven't tried it, Starbucks should pay me for this. You need to go try it. Get us my wife's order. a lot of caffeine. Yes, it's the best. Wow. I didn't need, I was like, what's the difference? And she said, there's a big difference. So. It's completely different, Eli. Okay. Completely different. So that's Wait, number one. What, Go makes, ahead. what makes this pumpkin thing that you've just described better <laughs> or less stereotypical white girl than a, than, than a PSL as you called it, which I will now be using on my wife frequently, but you're a right. PSL girl. Yes. So the cold brew, it's just like a normal cold brew. And then they make this pumpkin cream cold foam that they put right on top. And so, and then they sprinkle some stuff on it. I don't even know what it is. It's like crack. It's so good. Um, and so it's still very coffee, but you have a little bit of that pumpkin. The PSL is way more milk and just way too sweet. And they put whipped cream on it. No, this is not dessert. This is coffee. Mm. So pumpkin cream cold brew. You heard it here first. That's the drink. All right. That's number so that's, five. That's number five. Okay. Number four, we've got to have fall candles. Okay. But we have to have a transition of candle too. Like we can't dive in with like a, like heavy pumpkin clove. Like there's kind of levels to when they come out. So we start with apple stuff. We move into pumpkin stuff. Right. Kind of through the season. Yeah. No, I hope you are. This is super important. Obviously. Transition candle is transition. necessary. Yes. yes. If anybody listening wants specifics, DM me on Instagram and I'll send you my little breakdown of the candles to help you out. You might need um, that just for an Instagram post. Um, yeah. How to go from tropical to Thanksgiving in right. this order. Yes. This is important. Yeah. You don't want to overwhelm. You don't want to overwhelm. So that's four, three. We got to have some fall movies. And if you're a PK, you know, like a lot of Halloween stuff would just kind of off limits of the devil. And so, yeah, no, absolutely not. Not into it. So, I mean, we can go like, you can do Halloween town if that's not too much, but really I love like a fall rom-com. Like anything with Meg Ryan is the perfect fall movie. Gilmore girls. That She's not wrong. I'm correct. Like you've got mail. Don't you want to watch it? It's like the okay. middle, not quite the middle of October. It's time. Because because like my mom is seasons. because my mom is listening to this right now and knows she is her and my dad's favorite movie is You've Got Mail. They watch <gasps> it about six times every year. I've probably seen it no less than twenty times. I can actually say I agree with you fully on the Meg Ryan. Thank you. Uh, yes, yes. I found a playlist on Spotify the other day and it was titled Meg Ryan Walking in New York and You've Got Mail. And it's like the exact vibe of that movie. And text that to here. me and I'm going to send that to him. I would love to text you. I'll send it. I'm being Lori serious. I'm going to send it. has the AirPods in as she's walking the, the quad at Liberty, li like pretending that she's Meg Ryan. That I'm Meg Ryan. I wish I was. I'm, I'm, no. Okay. But then Gilmore Girls, that's that's nine seasons worth of stuff. Do you fit that all in the fall? Um. So I've, I've seen it through several times so I can get away with like, like I have several key fall episodes. Again, we can also put this in which, a post if the people one, are interested. Which would be which ones? Okay. So, um, the one where they have that 24 hour dance yeah. party and Rory and Dean break up. That's a key fall episode. Because the best um, part is really when, when Babette is only dancing for about 30 seconds and then she's like, we're done. Let's go. <laughs> John, I'm impressed that you know Gilmore Girls. Yes, I that's one of the key not. episodes of the whole show, not just of the fall right, season. Right, right, right. No, I no, but it's like, not it's about the vibe. through no yes. less than maybe 10 times. Yeah. Oh, I'm so impressed right now. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm saying. Wow. Okay, so what am I at now? Have I done three? You've We're done really three. getting into this. I've done three. Okay, next one, 
clothes. So like a cozy sweater, go. that's a fall must. Um, and then what else? I got to think of one more. Is it sweater Bi- weather right now where you are? No, Lynchburg is like bipolar with the weather. Like today it's cloudy. It's been saying it's going to rain all week. It's not going to rain. Next week it'll be 85 degrees. So it's not here yet, but I'm okay to put it off. You got to stretch out your, yeah. your summer clothes we've as long as you t- can. We've got to talk to you about this fall clothes thing. Because yeah, okay. I'm in total agreement with if it's cold, wear clothes for the cold. Yes. Right? And if it's hot, wear clothes for the hot. But I'm seeing this thing where once the calendar turns like September, that it can be 97 degrees with 1,000% humidity and there's some girl out there wearing a scarf and Uggs and it doesn't make sense to me. Like, can you minister to her for a second? Because she's listening to the podcast. Yeah, if you're listening and that's you, I don't want to call you out, but that's also pretty outdated. Like Uggs, the like blanket scarf thing that Christian girls have been doing forever, that's out. It's not 2015, okay? So we got to get with the program. Um, And dress for the weather. You just look silly. Like you just look silly. And then if you don't have layers, light layers, that's kind of the key. But you got to transition in. The Uggs, no, not the Uggs. They, they make us all say ugh, but not in the Literally. brand way, in the disgusted way. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. And sorry to go backward, but it just popped into my head. You were talking about fall movies. Um, right. If you're a PK and you haven't seen A Walk to Remember, oh. then you're not even really a PK. Um, I went to visit Eli last year and took my wife with me, and we discovered that the Walk to Remember house is like two miles from Eli. So, yeah, because you're in Wilmington. That's where yeah. all the Nicholas Sparks stuff is. Yeah. Look, he, <laughs> I, I've seen Nicholas Sparks so many times. He's amazing. I, his oh, movies are sure. amazing, at least. I'm pretty sure he is St. Nicholas and that it's like all tied in some way or another. Oh, for yeah. sure. Okay. Look, you're, you like when you live in Charleston, you had a bunch of movies and TV shows filmed there. Right. So we never like, we never lived in Charleston, but we spent a ton of well, time. There. Okay. So you're so you spent time there. So they had oh St. My Louis. Gosh. St. Louis, do they have any movies there? I mean, no, not really. No. So we get it all in Charleston. We did a whole Outer Banks tour when we went this summer, which was like, I mean, you just have to do it if you're ever in Charleston. It's so fun. Yeah. We yeah, I'm mad. Our town, we blew it. We couldn't get them to the whole show oh. is based off of like Wilmington and then I know. Uh, I'm, I'm not salty. I'm just extremely disappointed. <laughs> of course. Of course. Amen. Okay. Right, so I have one. one more, one more. Okay. So we'll say like, I'll say like a non tacky fall event. Okay. Okay. So we're talking like, if you have kids, like go to the pumpkin patch, that's cute. Carve pumpkins. That's a good experience. I love a bonfire. Maybe bonfire yeah. is really what I mean. Like a, a good fall event cozy you can wear just your sweater just a good time just enjoy it enjoy the season don't overdo it though right we don't want to be like out of control with the fall no so now maybe we just need to host a pk bonfire at liberty um, oh and see who turns up oh thousands i guarantee you thousands will show up it'll be just like a fall youth retreat really yeah yeah somebody will get a guitar somebody will start crying yeah We'll if I hear, someone's going to sing Waymaker for like the oh. whole time and then it's just going to be that. Yeah. yeah. That one girl who's really wanting to leave with her MRS degree from Liberty. And so senior year, it's not happened yet. So she's crying. She's like, even when I don't see it, you're worried. Right. He's like, God's going to bring him here. Um, I know it. Be- yeah. <laughs> Ring by spring is, is oh. going to be uh yeah, you got yeah, you gotta get get on it now if you're if you're looking for that ring by spring. I know. I'm poor me. I'm I'm behind the curve here. No, it's yeah, a real it's a real thing though. If you're uh, if you're listening um, on Instagram, Glory Patrick, um, <laughs> she just said there was there was no one. So the oh. <laughs> uh, the, the DMs are open. Feel free nope. to uh, to slide on in. Nope. Come on. No, if you do, no cheesy pickup lines. None of those Christian okay. pickup lines. We all so know what, what I'm is a good about. pickup line. So what is a good pickup line? Like no cheesy ones. What what's a good one? A lot, maybe I'll just say no pickup lines. 
Okay. I think a lot of girls will resonate with that. We're not into it. Just be upfront. Just be honest. I feel that. Try to be smooth. Dude, that's good. Because 99.9% of the guys are not smooth. And I, God bless them. I do college ministry. I'm sitting here like, oh, guys. Bless you. Yeah, that's tough. That's tough. Well, Eli, what was the line that worked with Amanda? Oh, I told her I'm in it to win it on the first date before our entree got there. And I said, look, I'm not a guy who just dates around. Like, I'm really not. And I never was. And I was like, clearly, like, we're vibing with each other. And I was like, we're either going to date or we're just going to, like, let's just, like, leave and call it what it is. Like, I'm good, but I'm not going to get invested into something. And I was 18 years old. And I was like, so I just, you know, I was like, I was like, are you, are you actually feeling this? Are you in this to, like, are you in this thing? And uh, she said right there, she knew she was going to marry me. And nine years later, here we are. <laughs> Look at that. It works out. Honesty. You heard it here first. Eli it, it was the honest. dumbest thing I've ever done. I mean, that was, <laughs> that was terrible. Don't do what I did. I, that was, I said it and it was one of those, and I'm like, I'm talking and I can't, I'm like, ah, oh, no, what's happening. And it worked. I'm going to say it's the Holy spirit. This the Holy spirit took over, I guess. I don't know. Come on. Well, this has been so much fun and we really appreciate you sharing your story with us today. Glory. We've got your, Instagram and all of that in the show notes so that if any PKs want to go follow you, they can. And if any guys try to slide into the DMs with something smooth, you can report them. And uh, e either way, it's a win-win for everybody involved. And we're, we're so excited for what God's doing in your life. Thanks so much for hanging out with us today. Of course. Thanks for having me, guys. I really Hey, thanks as always for listening to the PK Podcast. And we want to remind you that we are proudly a part of the Recovering Fundamentalist Podcast Network. And you can find us on Instagram at Those Preachers Kids, on Twitter at That PK Podcast. We're on Facebook, we're on YouTube, and wherever you listen to podcasts. So if you need to hit somebody up to vent, to cuss, to laugh or to cry, hey, you can find us anywhere that you look. We love you. You're our family. Don't forget to rate the podcast and leave a review. That helps us oh so much.